We are carrying on with our series in uh, Philippians, and before I get into the the talk, um, I just wanted you to listen again to some of uh, chapter two, which is the chapter we've reached. And I wanted to do that in a in a slightly different way, um, uh, just like. Um, when we started off in, in week one, we read the whole book. You listened, we listened. And I, again, I want to just major on listening. So I purposely haven't put words on a slide or haven't put nice imagery on a video behind what you're going to hear. I just think it'd be good if we could close our eyes and just listen to this extract from the beginning of Philippians chapter 2. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender? and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow 
in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen and thanks of course to Mark Middleton for helping me with that. And as I listened to that, um, and as I was preparing this morning, again, um, in many ways, I could just leave it there. <laughs> I could just sit down. Um, because those words, if we allow them to, if we really meditate on them, chew them over, allow the word of God to impact us, those words really do speak for themselves. However, I do want to spend just a little bit of time putting those words into a context and through that just exploring some parts in a bit more detail. That said, if you are still meditating on, chewing over those words, if there's things that God is speaking to you about, even through that, please feel very free to shut off my voice <laughs> and carry on with whatever you're thinking about. So, as always, you will be amazed that I'm looking at this under three headings. First of all, I do want to look at the context um, of what humility and honour looked like in the contemporary Roman worldview that Paul was writing into. I want to look at the one another part of that passage, the humility and honour in terms of the one anotherness of all of that. But of course, I also want to look at the section which is possibly most famous um, in that passage where we actually focus directly on Jesus and the humility that Jesus, the Son of God, showed. So first of all, the, uh, the contemporary Roman world view. Paul was writing, as we've said, it's letters from then, for now, the for then bit, um, what was Paul writing into. You see, the, the problem is that for um, certainly those of us who've been around the block a few times in this kind of whole church and walking with Jesus bit, we will have heard this, this passage, I'm going to say hundreds of times. I don't think that's an exaggeration. We will have heard it hundreds of times. It's kind of a, let's be honest, it's a bit of a go-to passage for preachers. <laughs> um. Even if you've not been walking with Jesus that long, I can almost guarantee you've probably already heard someone speak about it. Which is fine, and that can all build up the richness of our understanding, but the other thing is it can almost at times inoculate us against the power of the passage and the power of what Paul is really saying here. And it is an impact. It is, it is sorry, those are words with an impact and a power for us, which we will look at a bit now and certainly look at more next week. Um, but it, it really would have had an enormous impact in the original setting. 
So what was this original setting? Well, if you've been following the series from the beginning, you may remember that um, Philippi, the, the city where the church was located that Paul was writing to, was part of the Roman Empire. But more than that, it was a very important city in that Roman Empire and citizens of Philippi could be citizens of Rome with all of the privileges that that um, carried. Greco-Roman culture and values would have been very pervasive in the city. And in chapter one, uh, we saw how Paul challenged his hearers, the recipients of the letter, the Christian recipients of the letter, to consider what is more important to you. Is it your citizenship of Rome? That's the kind of the subtext behind what he says. Is that the thing that's most important to you? Or is it your citizenship uh, in heaven, your citizenship in the kingdom of God? Now he kind of carries on from that, takes that further and addresses what was an important value set within the culture. Because the thing is, this word humility in Latin, in, in ancient Latin, in, in, in ancient Greek, we kind of hear that word and we hear it probably with positive connotations to it. They did not have a word that had that with a positive connotation. It was quite a negative word. It meant something like crushed or debased. It was associated with failure and shame. In its place, there was another word which meant, uh, can I do this in Greek? Philotimia, the love of honour. And Aristotle, you know, great ancient Greek writer, thinker, he insisted that honour and reputation were amongst the pleasantest things that you could have in life. That's what the only word they had, really, for humility meant. And, uh, and this is from uh, theologian Nijay Gupta, who uh, written a very helpful commentary on Philippians. In a Roman perspective, there was no such virtue as humility. Life's goal was to demonstrate superiority. The Greek word we translate as humility in the New Testament meant lowliness in the Roman mind, which smacked of weakness and inferiority. You see, in, in this culture, it was very much like this. It was very much a pyramid, where at the top were the gods, and therefore by association was also the emperor, because he was deified. It was important to know where you were in this pyramid. Now, at the top, as I say, was the emperor and the gods, and... Um, you did abase yourself before them because they had absolute power over you and you would be worried in case you offended them. But for everyone else, um, we, you were trying to sort of attain a position within the culture. And, and you know, in all cultures, in all organisations, the culture is set often from the top and, you know, the Caesar, well, Caesar Augustus, for example, um, he had two pillars in Rome inscribed with all of his achievements, all the great things that he'd done. Interestingly, of course, he doesn't 
say any of the things where he's failed, any of the wars he's not succeeded in winning. No, this is a long list of all of the great things he has done. It was, if you like, a very early form of political propaganda. Um, Just kind of talking about all the great stuff I've done and, and not anything else. Oh, yeah. Everyone else sort of adopted this same kind of attitude and you fought for position. It was a competitive environment. Life's goal was to demonstrate superiority. It was to climb up the social ladder, if you could, by every means possible. And if that meant treading on people on the way, so be it. That's the culture that Paul writes what we've just heard into. And he talks about humility and honouring one another. In a very real sense, he does that. He flips the triangle upside down. He talks about an attitude that puts others first, that doesn't strive for position. The, the word in, in some translations, it, it talks about striving. The, the Greek word behind that, erithia, can't pronounce that properly, something like that. And in contemporary Greek culture, it was a word that was used for electioneering. We know all about that, don't we? <coughs> Paul says, no, don't do that. Don't just say the right things to try and win people over. Don't be competitive like that. As Gupta says in his commentary, Paul is saying, don't climb the ladder by each and every means. No. Climb down the ladder and help other people up the ladder. (coughs) Excuse me. So in Philippians 2, verses 2 to 4, he says this. Make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Just think how that would have landed into that Philippian Roman culture. What? Don't be selfish. Don't try and impress people. No. Put others first. Yeah, okay, you can think about yourselves, but don't just think about yourselves. Think about others. But to understand this still more for us, because, you know, this this could be, you know, a good humanist agenda. But Paul doesn't put it, doesn't frame it like that. This isn't just, you know... Be better people. Isn't just um, a set of human values. Because I I picked up the passage there in in verse 2. But let's look at what's in verse 1. 
Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? And if the answer to all those questions is yes, then this is what follows. Paul sets this attitude of humility and honouring other people, he sets it in the context of our walk with Jesus. It should be the result of our walk with Jesus. It should be the result of our worship, the result of our prayer, the result of our enjoying fellowship with Jesus, the, in, the result of us being filled with the Spirit. Paul says, are any of these things important to you? If they are, then this is what follows. Effectively, he says this, if you know Jesus, if you've experienced his love, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then show it in the way you relate to each other. As is often the case, it does seem that Paul isn't just interested in a, a Christology that stands alone. He's interested in, in a view of Jesus, in a view of the Christ that is rooted in human experience. And later in the, in the chapter, he gives two examples, two human examples of how humility and honouring one another it has been demonstrated. And in a sense, if you read chapter two, and, and if you've not read it recently, I, you know, have a look at it again um, sometime soon. Because in a sense, it's a bit strange. Paul, Paul sort of has all these sort of instructions which are quite sort of uh, broad-ranging and um, you know, important principles for life. Then he has the passage, which we will look at in just a moment, which, which l looks directly at Jesus, which is amazing prose. Um, and then sort of shortly afterwards, suddenly he, he kind of, in his letter, starts to do some housekeeping and, and sort of talks about, Oh, I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to send Timothy to you. And, oh, by the way, thanks for sending Epaphroditus. Well, Paul, you could have left this to the end. You know, this is, this is a bit of an abrupt, ugh, putting the brakes on from this sort of, a, shouldn't you have carried on in this, this great sort of hymn of praise to Jesus? And, and no, for Paul, these examples, he wants to say this anyway, but I think it's very, it's very clear why he puts them there. Because he's basically saying, look, all of this stuff that I've been talking about, Here's a couple of examples of how it works out. Here's a couple of examples of, uh, uh, in human, in your, in your experience, this isn't just something that is unattainable. Look, here it is. And he talks about Timothy, who was his companion. But he was a leader in his own right, don't forget that. But he was a leader who wasn't taken up with fulfilling his own ministry ambitions, but was prepared to serve. He was prepared to serve Paul and he was prepared to serve the Philippian church. This wasn't some kind of Christian leader setting himself above other people. He was someone who was genuinely there as a minister because <laughs> interestingly, of course, minister means serve, servant. 
And then he talks about Epaphroditus, who's been sent by the Philippians to, again, serve Paul, to help him out. And there's some interesting words used there, which scholars sort of say that, probably make it clear that Epaphroditus isn't just some messenger boy. It talks about him being an apostle. (laughs) And it also uses a word which, again, in the original Greek, the sort of noun that comes from it, it, it describes someone who is a public servant in the civic arena who has paid, not paid his way into position, he's paid for himself. He's not, being, he's not reliant on other people. He's not doing it in order to get money. He's using his own resources to serve others. So maybe Epaphroditus was, uh, was someone with means. And he's here serving Paul, honouring him being humble. And it's not surprising that Paul kind of rounds off that bit by saying, give him the honour that people like him deserve. And, um, and here's the thing. Do we always give honour to those who do stuff behind the scenes? <laughs> Are just serving You know, I get to stand up and do this sort of thing, or play guitar, and um, people do from time to time, as Karen did, thank you. I'm not in any way discounting what you prayed. But, you know, people, people say those sort of things to me and, and pray those sort of things over me, and I receive it with gratitude. There's an awful lot of other people who don't stand up here who probably deserve all those same words to be spoken over them. Thank you. The third example, of course, and the most most important example that Paul gives is, of course, that of Jesus. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Because of the way they're structured, these verses, scholars um, often think that it's kind of like almost, it could well have comprised a piece of early church liturgy. That doesn't mean Paul didn't write it, um, but it's in most of your Bibles, it would be set out in almost like a, a song form or a hymn form, a poetic form, a hymn of praise to Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and anywhere else you can think of. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We could just have spent half an hour with that passage on the screen. 
meditating on that. There are just two points briefly I want to bring out from it. First of all, the passage makes it clear that Jesus' humility was rooted in a knowledge of, of who he was. He knew. Though he was in very nature God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, a thing to cling to. Again, in contrast to the grasping for position in the Roman culture, Paul says, no, Jesus knew who he was and he didn't grasp it. He didn't strive in that way. But it came from knowing who he was. Humility isn't having a poor self-image. Humility isn't being a doormat because I'm not worth anything else. Humility is, in our context, knowing who we are in Jesus. And being prepared to serve because of that. Not in spite of it. In John 13... It's a very similar, um, very similar description of, of Jesus' attitude in this. It's, it's when he's going to wash the disciples' feet. And in John it says, Jesus, knowing where he'd come from and where he was going, washed his disciples' feet. He knew who he was. And out of that, he chose a road of humility. And the second thing is that this hymn of praise and worship leads to action. As I've just said, for Paul, he wasn't, I don't think, that interested in, in worship and praise that wasn't then as well reflecting back on how we behave. And I haven't got time to look at it now, but if you, if you do look at the end of Romans chapter 11 and into chapter 12. Romans 11, again, and again, don't forget these chapter breaks are something that we've imposed on it later. It would have all flowed together. And, and Paul has this sort of hymn of praise to Jesus. And then in the beginning of chapter 12, there's a therefore, because of that, this is how you should behave. So finally, some things to ponder in this, the week ahead. Is our society Roman or Christian in our view of honour and humility? Which way up is the pyramid? And from that, am I Roman or Christian in my view of honour and humility? And not just my view of it, but how I behave and so thirdly, what action will flow from our worship of Jesus this week? I'm just going to ask Tim to play the passage one last time as we close. And you can either shut your eyes and listen to it again, or you can ponder these questions while we listen to it again. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? 
any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave, born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <laughs> 